0: The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Sitting down beside me now, right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, is author Sid Spurgeon. Sid, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Now, the pleasure is all mine, Sid. It's really exciting. i got to congratulate you. You have a new book out called Rivers, Pickups, and Friends. Can you tell me what it's about? Sure.
1: It's about three men who've grown up together in a small town in Oregon, Pendleton, Oregon. They were kids together. Two of them went to high school together and one was a little bit behind them. They went off to college, one went to Vietnam, but they all returned to Pendleton, and they all wanted to live there, and they all came back and got jobs and families, and that's kind of about what they did after that happened, after mostly it's their adult life.
0: Hmm. Sid, what kinds of readers do you think would be really into Rivers Pickups and Friends?
1: Well, that's a great question. (laughs) I think it would be just people who read regularly. Who like good stories. I mean, it's a good story about nice people. They say good things, they do, you know, and it's sad at the end, but I think really anybody who likes to read would probably like this book.
0: Where'd you get the idea for it, Sid? What inspired you to write this?
1: Okay, this is probably a longer story. (laughs) I am a seriously
0: addicted
1: steelhead fisherman, and I always wanted to write a story about fishing for steelhead, you know, kind of a field and stream kind of thing. And I never could get it the way I wanted it. When I finally did, I finally got it. And it's the beginning of the book, by the way, is the guy's on a steelhead trip. There's a guy fishing, and he's driving back to his house. And I thought, you know, this guy's got to go home, and he's probably got a family, and he lives in Pendleton, and maybe I can just keep going with this. And I did. I just kept going and turned it into a
0: book. Hmm. How long about did that take you?
1: Well, I I don't think any more than seven or eight months. The part that took the longest really was my own review of it and tuning up a lot of things in the
0: book. Sid, is this your first go at something like this? What does your writing background look like?
1: It's the first time I've, I've sat down, really. And, it, well, no, it's the second time I've sat down and written a whole book. The first one I wrote, it's in a box in a cloth. <laughs> kind of where I thought this was where I put this one too. But when I finished with this one, I thought, you know, this might not be too bad. And I know the <laughs> difference between bad writing and good writing. So I had some friends read it, and one of my friends kind of lectured me. He says, well, what are you waiting for? Get this thing published. And so that's basically how it happened.
0: Now, what was it like the day you finally got that first one in? You got to hold your own work for the first time, (laughs) look at it. What was that like, Sid?
1: Well, I'll tell you. I said, holy, then I said kind of a bad word after that. <laughs> and then I told my wife, I said, do you see this? <laughs> it's almost as surreal for me. For me. yeah, I'm 73 years old. Shoot, I haven't done anything earth-shaking. I kind of thought, well, there's my name on the front of this dang thing. And it was surreal. And in fact, the first thing I did was read it. What surprised me is how much different it seemed when I was reading it in book form. Hmm. It seemed real then, finally. Finally at last it seemed real. But when I saw the book, well, that, that just did it for me.
0: So what are the chances we might see a sequel to this one or, or some other kind of book for me in the future?
1: That's a good question. And I'm almost done with the second one. I've got a little bit more to go with it. But what's in the original book, the one we're talking about now, there's the older gentleman in there who's the father of one of the main characters, and he's really a nice guy, and he's kind of a neat guy, and he's a World War II veteran, and he's had a long, long, pretty, uh, pretty good life, and he's really an intelligent man on top of it all. So I'm thinking, well, maybe if I gave this guy a backstory so that's what the second one is but i changed names and stuff like that but basically that is my motivation to do that
0: well i know a lot of readers are going to love this book and i think they ought to check it out it's titled rivers pickups and friends it's written by sid spurgeon it's published by newman springs publishing you can get it everywhere like amazon and barnes and noble and itunes and also traditional brick and mortar stores Sid, I had a great time talking with you tonight. Thank you so much for joining me and tell me all about things.
1: It was a lot of fun for me, too. I appreciate your call.
0: Eye to Eye, Memoirs of a Mayo Clinic Trained Eye Surgeon. That's the name of the new book. It's out in stores right now, written by John S. Jarstad, M.D. John is right here with me now, and we're going to chat all about the book. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me.
2: Thanks for having me on.
0: It's my pleasure. Can you tell me what readers will find when they open up Eye to Eye? Well, as the promo said,
2: it's kind of some of my memoirs of both my training and also some of my uh, 50 medical missions overseas to countries like North Korea twice, and Zimbabwe, Nigeria, Angola, and Indonesia and different places in between. So I think they get a good flavor for what it's like to be an eye surgeon try to put them in my place. And then uh, I'd go on these trips. Patients, when I came back, would say, wow, what did you find over there? And i tell them a few little snippets of my trips. And they say, my gosh, that's amazing. You should write a book. Mm-hmm. So after about 20 patients told me that, I said, yeah, maybe I should write a book. And then it might be uh, good to convey what it's like. And it kind of went back to everything said, well, where, you know, where did you learn to do that? And where did you grow up? So I just basically started at the beginning. It's a little bit of a bio and talking about some of the trials I faced as a young person, and I overcame those in order to become an ICER.
0: John, have you ever done anything like this before? Or what does your writing background look like?
2: Not really. I mean, I've, I've written scientific articles and chapters for textbooks and things, and I had some really great teachers. In fact, I just went back to Seattle, and my sister and I visited our sixth-grade English teacher, and I was able to present him a book, and he really was pretty excited about that, but he had given me my first training in English. And then my football coach was one who uh, taught an advanced honors creative writing class. And so he was amazing, Mr. Nicholson. Mm. And he was my football coach in our state championship football team. He was very instrumental. He would have us do a different style of writing each week. And then the top two papers that he'd graded, you had to present those in front of the class. And I like giving the lecture just reading your paper in front of mm. the class. And so that was pretty cool. I got to do that once. Comparing Batman and Superman. <laughs> I still <laughs> sure remember that A grade I got
0: on that one. And there's nothing like seeing that finished product, you know, that thing that you created, John. What was that moment like when you got to hold this book for the first time in your hands? Yeah,
2: I was pretty excited. I uh had several rewrites of it and up to the last minute I added a few things that I'd forgotten about that, you know, some of my patients said, Hey, you really should talk about this in your book. It was good to get all that in. And I mean, there's always other stories I could have told, and some that I unintentionally left out that were pretty amazing. One little girl in Vietnam, we really transfigured her face where she had cancer uh radiation treatment and we had to do some plastic surgery around the eyelids and her upper face and neck with a laser when you're on the hospital ship, the Mercy, and I don't think I got that across as well as I'd like to, but there's always a chance to rewrite some of that later.
0: Well, that was along the lines of my next question. Do you think you might have a follow-up to this? Because it sounds like you have so much to tell.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I came out with a first edition in 2005, I think it was, Mm -hmm. that I just wrote a few things down and and just basically published it for my patients, and it was a self-publishing deal. Some of the stories were in there that are repeated, But I didn't really put the effort into that first that I did with this one.
0: A lot of people listening to us right now are authors who are just starting out with things. Uh, John, do you have any advice, any wisdom that you have to pass on to them?
2: Well. One of my old friends from high school, who is a uh, published novelist, a romance novel, said you should take a community college writing class (laughs) (laughs) when I first started out. But that's not a bad idea. I think, though, that most people should just write from the heart and don't be afraid to tell it like it is. I've tried to do that in my work, and that's what people and patients have responded to, you know, since this book came out two months ago. I've gotten some feedback that you know, said, hey, I'm glad you included the background to these stories and told some of the ups and downs of what's happened in your life, not just all the positive things.
0: Well, there's so much to be had here, and I know a lot of readers are really going to love this. It's titled Eye to Eye, Memoirs of a Mayo Clinic Trained Eye Surgeon. This is written by John S. Jarstad, M.D., and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find it everywhere. Get it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. John, thank you for joining me and telling me all about Eye to Eye. I had a really nice time talking with you tonight.
2: All right, I enjoyed it. Thanks for the invite, and I look forward to
0: seeing more of your work. Princess Beauty. It's the new book in stores now, written by Eliza Rivas. And Eliza is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about this book. Eliza, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. It's fantastic to have you on the show. It's so exciting that you have Princess Beauty out. Can you tell me what readers could expect here?
3: Well, stories about
4: two fairies who are kind of fighting a battle of good and evil and they are fighting to decide whether princess named bonnie will have a happily ever after or a bad ending because one of the fairies wants to be the fairest of them all and bonnie is standing in the way of that
0: interesting what sorts of readers did you have in mind for it
4: i didn't have any type of age genre to be honest when i started writing this Mm. so that was hard for me to figure out but for people who are interested in fairy tales or mythology There's also some history in there and romance and there's like a moral like philosophy theme of like questioning good and evil and how it applies to us in real life. And how is it really as good as it seems or is it really as bad as it seems?
0: Hmm. So this is a really interesting take on fairy tales, Eliza. How would you get the idea for all of this?
4: As someone who just loves fairy tales and fairy tale history, I kind of just thought, what would it be like if I strung some stuff together? and made it into a story. And then, of course, with my personality and how I am, I had to include some sort of moral. So I had to see, Hmm. all right, well, I can string them together, but what is the point of the story in the first place? So I kind of created the two fairies fighting throughout to see how they would play out, and sort of just wrapped it up in the end, realizing, hey, this is kind of what I've noticed the moral is.
0: Have you ever done anything like this before, Eliza? What's your writing background look like?
4: I haven't had any published works yet. This is my first, but I have done like different writings in the past. I just haven't gotten them out yet. So, Mm. this type of pattern for me to like find morals or find ways to intertwine different meanings is kind of normal for me. But the actual story plot of the fairy tale itself, that was new. (laughs)
0: So being it was your first book and you were weaving so many things together, did it take you a long time to write this and get it published?
4: Yes and no. The actual writing of the first draft was actually very quick. But after that, the process was extremely slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the editing, looking for a publisher, and even even my own life events that would get in the way. Mm. I'm a pretty busy person in general, so my hobbies would get in the way too. It was just a whole lot of different things I would get in the way, but I would also be looking for a publisher and not always get accepted because, you know, people have to take a chance on a new author. And Hmm. since it is my first publishing, I am pretty new.
0: I can only imagine when you got your first one in, you got to hold your book for the first time. Eliza, what was that moment like for you?
4: Oh, it was very, very exciting. And it actually kind of cheered up my day because when I first got the complimentary book package that came in, I was actually sick. So it was a pretty miserable moment for me before I got them. And then as soon as they came, it just sort of brightened my day,
5: to be Mm -hmm. honest.
0: (laughs) What happens, Eliza, when you sit down to write? You feel motivated, like you want to get some writing done, but then no words come out and you get writer's block. How do you get those ideas going again?
4: So my writer's block is more like there is a difference that I've noticed with different authors that I've seen it's a little different than most authors. Most authors have a writer's block in that they have no idea what they want to write about next. And mine is more about how I want to phrase what I want to write about next. Mm. So I can be sitting there for the longest time just wondering, I have no idea how I want to get this out that I'm thinking about in my head onto a screen or onto paper, you know, so that's a lot less like my challenge right there. Mm. Because generally I kind of, Plan my story plot out before I write it. So I kind of already have this like set, this is what's going to happen, and this is what's going to happen, and then that and that and that before I start writing. So I wouldn't really call that a writer's block so much, maybe just a blockish in creativity for the moment.
0: (laughs) I think a lot of readers out there are really going to enjoy this book and should go check it out. It's titled Princess Beauty. It's written by Eliza Rivas and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can get it anywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop. Eliza, thank you so much for joining me and telling me about Princess Beauty and the whole writing process. I had a nice time talking tonight. Thank you. Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is Elder Brian Keith Miller. Elder Miller, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. You're welcome. Thank
6: you for having me.
0: Well, it's my pleasure. It's exciting. You've just written and published a new book titled Understanding the Concepts, Attributes, and Characteristics of the Fruit of the Spirit. So, Elder Miller, can you tell me what readers can find here?
6: Well, they can find that it talks about the fruit of the Spirit that is written in the book of Galatians of the Bible.
0: What sorts of readers were you speaking to here, Elder Miller? Well, I was talking to the readers, like leaders and
6: teachers and Bible scholars and people to want to know more about the Bible in an uncompromised environment.
0: Mm. And what sparked you to write this? Why do you think the fruit of the Spirit needed to be addressed further?
6: Well, with the experiences that I had and throughout what I've gone through in my life, I realized that a lot of the characteristics that people were portraying was really not aligned with what the Bible was saying. But people were putting on airs and saying that because when the fruit of the Spirit is really revealed, you can see in your lifestyle. Mm -hmm.
0: And this is quite a subject to take on. Did this book take you a long time to write and put through the publishing process? It took me about a little over two years to write it. What did you find the most challenging part of the whole process, both writing and publishing of it?
7: The
6: challenging part was finding the right publisher to do my book. Hmm. But the most challenging part was people believing me and understanding that I was going to write
0: about that. So what feelings were you having? What thoughts were going through your head when you got the first physical copy of your book and you got to hold this thing and look at it for the first time?
6: Oh, Lord, I was really excited. Hmm. I I couldn't believe it.
0: (laughs) Do you see yourself doing more of this in the future? I do see myself writing.
6: I have a sequel to this book that I'm working on now that I'm hoping to get published in the the next year or two.
0: Well, Elder Miller, you're obviously very passionate about all of this. And I can tell that you really enjoy writing. Yeah. So what would you say for you is the most rewarding aspect of it all?
6: The most rewarding for me is that people will be able to understand me more, even when I'm not here anymore. Mm -hmm. And my writing will speak for itself
0: when it comes to writing books and being published, do you have any advice that you could offer to the authors listening right now who are kind of just starting out in all of this?
6: Well, I would just tell them to keep their passion alive and don't give up and stick with it regardless of how long it takes. It took me a long time to get to where I am now.
0: Did you ever hit a point while you were writing this that you didn't know where to go next? You didn't know what words to put down next, a classic writer's block situation?
6: Oh, a lot of times. Oh, Lord Jesus. Mm. A bunch of times I really ended up not knowing how much further to go with it.
0: How do you get through the challenges like that and get those words going again?
6: You have to be consistent and you have to be consistent in what you're doing and make sure that you're not adding stuff in, the, in there that don't belong.
0: Well, it's obvious, Elder Miller, that your relationship to the Lord is something that's very, very inspirational to you in your life. Do you have people around you as well who inspire you and encourage you? Yes. yes. When
6: I was a kid, I had my grandmother, which mm-hmm. she is no longer with us. But the person that inspired me the most is my wife. She's very inspirational to me and she's very supportive of what I'm doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, while you were writing this, Elder Miller, did you have a routine to write? You know, a lot of writers often will write early in the morning or they just stay up all the hours of the night writing. But others will just write whenever the ideas are hitting them, or they just find the time when they can sit down and write. What kind of writer do you think you are?
6: Well, I'm one of those kinds of people that ideas, and I write them down, and I think about them, and I meditate on them. But then I would always put them in an outline form in order to structure my sentences.
0: Well, a lot of readers will be blessed by this book. And to my listening audience, I think you should go check this out. It's titled, Understanding the Concepts, Attributes, and Characteristics of the Fruit of the Spirit. This is written by Elder Brian Keith Miller. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it anywhere, of course, like on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Elder Miller, thank you again for joining me and telling me about your work. I had a nice time chatting with you.
6: Thank you, and I had a nice time talking to you too.
0: There's a new book in stores written by Francis Xavier. It's titled Two Different Worlds, and right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, we're going to talk all about it. Francis is right here with me. Francis, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Well, what will readers find, Francis, when they open up Two Different Worlds? It's actually almost like a booklet. I had
7: done this here with just some ideas in mind, and I assumed they would let me expand on it, but It gives me the gist of the whole story of uh, a person living two different lives.
0: Mm. Francis, what kinds of readers were you speaking to here? Who do you think would be most into it?
7: Well, the book is basically like a life story, like, uh, I'd say, criminal activity. So people Mm. are always uh, interested in things like uh, mob movies and Mm. things like that. So it would be geared to people interested in the uh, crime drama.
0: So what sparked you to write this, Francis? Where'd you get this idea?
7: Well, I just based it on living experience, you know, with the family growing up and friends in the family growing up, and seeing these people working at one job and working in another world, another, another lifestyle. Wow.
0: So did this take you a long time to write, or did it come out pretty quickly? Actually,
7: uh, I just wrote, like I said, it was basically family life experience. It probably
0: took me about five weeks. Have you ever done anything like this before, Francis? Have you ever written or published?
7: Never published anything before, and this was the first time writing it. It was just basically flowed because uh, I just put general life experience that I had been subjected to, and I just let it run. You know, I wrote it out from the beginning to my later years.
0: Hmm. When it came to publishing the book, Francis, did you find it challenging or did it come pretty easy?
7: It came pretty
0: easy. Uh,
7: you know, I did a lot of re-editing. and the end, the publisher, you know, they did all the areas of grammatical finesse. Mm. They uh, put the paragraphs, they corrected a few spelling errors and kind of it. Uh, but other than that, it just was everything I wrote in there was basically stayed the same. Uh, the way they took care of it, they just cleaned
0: it up. I can imagine it was a pretty special moment for you, Francis, when you got the book and You actually got to hold this for the first time and look at it. What was that like for you?
7: Actually, it was pretty amazing because, like I said, these stories, that were in there were the things that I had experienced and stories that I told, you know, we've talked about friends of ours know, talking about the various things in the book and then putting, as everybody says, you know, the joke was, well, why don't you write a book about it? And one day I just said, you know what, maybe I will. And I did it basically for myself. It wasn't really looking to uh, become a sequel to The Godfather. It was just <laughs> basically, uh, I write what I did and I remembered what my English teacher said when I was in high school. She said, if you ever write anything, you know, write a book. She says, write about what you know. Mm. So I said,
0: yeah, I take that advice. And all my friends saying, write a book. And I did. What are the chances you'll write more in the future, do you think? A friend of mine, he
7: wrote a book, Dino. He's from Greece. And he wrote his life experiences coming here. And I met Dino years ago. His book was 11 Days to America, I believe it was. And his name is Dino Pavlo, P-A-V-L-O-U. And he was involved in that the restaurant in the city of Weston's. He was good friends with Sinatra and oh, wow. Anthony Quinn and all those people. The first time I met him, the experience was, you know, I said, oh, you're Greek? He said, yeah. He says, why? I said, oh, I said, well, you're Greek like the guy in Zorba, the Greek, Anthony Quinn? He goes, I got to tell you a funny story. He says, Anthony Quinn has got no Greek blood in him whatsoever. He was Irish, Mexican or something.
0: I'm like, get out of here. You learn something. I'm like, well, I'm amazed. Wow. I know a lot of people are really going to love this story, and I encourage my listeners to go check it out. This is titled Two Different Worlds. It's written by Francis Xavier. It's published by Newman Springs Publishing. Of course, you can get it everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Francis, thank you again for your time tonight telling me about your story and about Two Different Worlds. I had a good time talking with you.
7: Same here. My pleasure. I Thank you very much for uh, helping me get the uh, book out there. You have a good day.
0: There's an exciting story told in the new book written by Richard S. Johnson. It's titled Impossible Beginnings. And I'm really excited to have Richard right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about it. Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time here tonight to tell me all about Impossible Beginnings. Richard, what can readers expect?
8: Well, it's a book about a sparsely populated place in the Allegheny Mountains where a woman running away from troubles at work and life that has little meaning and she's never been in the mountains before and the friend that was supposed to go camping with her at the last minute quit did then decided not to go she had something else that she wanted to do what it was is she was kind of shaft the lady that did go by taking her job as a standby anyway In a stormy night, she runs into a hillbilly up there that's also having problems. His wife recently died. He's having problems at work. The woman has a difficult time because she works for a TV station. She's pretty liberal, and he doesn't like to argue and so forth. But she doesn't like guns, and she don't like the moms, and she don't like much (laughs) anything he is. But she needs a place to stay, and that's what the story starts at.
0: Richard, what kinds of readers do you think would be into this? Well, you know, I've read a lot, a lot of books, and
8: I'm thinking that anybody that likes a novel and uh, lot a story with action would like it. I've let several people, I have a, an author that lives in our neighborhood, and I have several people, a, a woman that had been a librarian and several other people have read it before I send it to be published. And they all said it was a page turner, so anybody that likes a page turner, hey, this is something that might
0: suit them. Richard, how long does a book like Impossible Beginnings take you to write from beginning to end?
8: Well, you know, so much of that book is stuff my wife and I lived. Hmm. I wrote one other novel that took longer, but this one took me about six months because I wanted it to be right. And I kept looking up, since I hadn't written novels before, I kept looking up, hey, how do you show and not tell, and how do you do this and how do you do that? So I studied a bit and wrote the
0: book. Do you think this one is asking for a sequel? It is. I,
8: in fact, what I did was I ended it with them still having a problem. And that way it begs for a sequel to find out what really happened to the other problem that this couple had. Mm,
0: wonderful. Richard, a lot of people listening to us are authors just starting out with things. What advice would you have for people just starting out in the whole writing and publishing thing?
8: Well, it's kind of like I felt when I first started doing anything that was writing, developing courses, etc. Keep at it and do something that interests you, maybe that has to do with your life. And something I did with the the two novels that I've written so far, both under publication, is put something in there so that people are learning something while they read for enjoyment. Like Mm. this Impossible Beginnings, they argued... The woman wanted to argue quite a bit the first night they met, and he wasn't the guy that wanted to argue. And so they learned how to get along with each other in just a few days. And try to get in touch with other people that have written and have published books. I did that, and I left this guy that lives in our neighborhood read it, and he said, man, keep going. Make sure you leave it so you can write a sequel. (laughs) So (laughs) he uh, had me get in touch with some other people that that would read it and comment and whatever, so I did all those things. But just get started. If you feel strongly about it, do it.
0: Great advice. Well, it sounds like a lot of people are really going to love this book. It sounds exciting, and I encourage my listeners to definitely check it out. This is titled Impossible Beginnings. It's written by Richard S. Johnson, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And, of course, you can find it everywhere, like on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Richard, thank you again for joining me tonight and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time talking with you.
8: I had a good time talking with you, too. I really appreciate it.
0: Right next to me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Kelly Paul. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me tonight.
9: Thank you for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. It's very exciting for you. You have a new book out. It's called In Search of My Turquoise Necklace, Michael's Story. Kelly, can you tell me about the book?
9: Yeah, it's the second book. I have a first book, A Little Madness, Beyond Imagination, where I introduced my struggle with bipolar disorder and also my introduction to some of the the spirit guides and angels. Hmm. And then this book, it happened because Michael helped me write the first book and and some of the other angels. And then on the second book, The Turquoise Necklace, Michael actually took my turquoise necklace out of my drawer somehow, and he admitted he did it. And since then, he's moved and taken some other things like uh, my medicine and a key to a hotel just for me to know that he's there. Hmm. And then the new book, In Search of My Turquoise Necklace, I wrote it to know that the angels are here to help and support us. And Hmm. Michael feels that the end of the world is near. And he wants to give us a preview of what's important, what's to come. He feels that this book is very important for everyone to read. And another thing, we want to educate the world about mental illness Mm. because he feels mental illness is part of God or the universe. There may be some chemicals in the universe that contribute to the mental illness. Mm.
0: Kelly, how long did it take you to write this book?
9: It only took me about... I don't know, two months to write the first book, and only about a month to write the second book. The second book went real fast, and then I might even write a third book, which will kind of summarize everything to date, and I'm not ready to write that quite yet.
0: Now, before the first book, had you ever written or published anything?
9: I'm a lawyer, and um, I went to law school, and I did publish a pamphlet about the new, at that time, paternity blood test. That's the only thing I've ever published besides these two books.
0: Hmm. you got to tell me about the day that your physical copies came in of these books, and you got to hold it for the first time. It must have been quite a moment for you.
9: It was. It was really, especially the first book, because I had to go through everything, and it was all new to me. And I did have, you know, of course, a preview of the cover page of the, each book, and I had to approve that. And I also had to approve the last page. The back cover of each book, I wrote a summary about each book on the back cover, and I didn't include any information about my own biography or anything because my family wanted me to use a pen name instead.
0: And I'm sure you've learned an awful lot along the way of writing and publishing. So Kelly, do you have any words of wisdom that you have to offer the new authors out there?
9: Yeah, you know what? Just start writing. Just start writing. And then it'll just kind of all come together. And then you need to do, you know, I didn't know anything about publishing. Mm -hmm. So I got online and I sent my manuscript to several publishing companies. And then I chose this one, Fulton. I chose Fulton. Mm -hmm. And then with the second book, everything just went really, really smoothly. Like I knew what to expect. I knew the timeline. But it still takes a while between the time you send in your initial transcript. And the time it's published, that's about six months, I would say. It takes a while to actually give the book from its origin to being published.
0: Kelly, did you find the writing of this book or the publishing of this book to be the more challenging thing for you?
9: I would say the publishing, because I had been living with some of these relationships, like from the spirit world, like the angels. I didn't know what to really to make of that, so I put down what my experiences were. And then, not this January, but last January of 2022, Michael seemed to take more of an interest in me. We co-wrote the second book together. Actually, it was the uh, publishing, I would say, that was more difficult than the writing for some reason. The writing
0: just just flowed. It's titled, In Search of My Turquoise Necklace, Michael's Story. This is written by Kelly Paul. It's published by Fulton Books. You can pick it up everywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Kelly, thank you again for joining me at the show and telling me about your work. I had a nice time chatting tonight.
9: Okay, thank you very much, Corey.
0: This book aims to enable readers to feel the love of God. It's titled, Learning from the Relationships of Jesus. It's written by Dion Laborde, and Dion is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to chat all about it. Dion, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you so much, Corey. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time here to tell me all about learning from the relationships of Jesus. Dion, what can readers expect here?
10: Well, my book takes a deeper look at the life of Jesus Christ and how he handled his interpersonal relationships with different types of people and what we can learn from that. There is a lot to learn from the life of Jesus. I also have explored some Bible verses that many people may not have realized are in the Bible, and I explain their significance.
0: When you think of the types of readers that you are writing for here, Dion, is this something for believers, or would non-believers get something out of this as well? It's
10: for Christians and non-believers. I think everyone can find something interesting in this book and learn about the life of Jesus. There's a lot to learn about the life of Jesus. But I specifically wrote for young adults and adults. There's so much truth in there and guidance and inspiration. So I think they would get a lot out of it.
0: Fantastic. Dion, how are you inspired to write Learning from the Relationships of Jesus? Can you think about what gave you that idea?
10: Actually, God inspired me to write the book. I was just obedient and wrote it. Also, I was inspired a lot by the Bible as my book is biblically-based, and so I just followed the inspiration as it came. Sometimes the inspiration would come at like three or four or five in the morning, (laughs) and I would get up and write the inspiration down and the Bible verses down. So it was just really being spirit-led and just going with the flow of the inspiration as it came. Mm.
0: Did the whole process take a long time, both writing it and then putting it through all those publishing processes?
10: about a year and six months Mm. including the editing process it takes a little time even after it's finished being written because it has to go through an editing process Mm. and then of course coming up with the cover design so there's a lot of a lot of different steps it has to go through before you get the finished results but i enjoyed the whole process it's not work for me it's actually fun for me to write a book
0: And I can only imagine that time when you got the first copy and you finally got to hold this thing in your hands. What was that like for you, Dion?
10: It was a really good feeling. It was like a dream come true and a feeling that I could help a lot of people with the book God gave me to write. It was also really wonderful to be a part of what God was trying to do through me for this book to help other people. Mm. It felt really good, especially knowing that I obeyed God and I wrote it. But now a lot of people can receive help and encouragement from it.
0: Dion, before you wrote this one, had you ever written or published before?
10: I have. I've also written the books, Inspiration from the Creator, Knowing God, and also Guidance and Encouragement from Isaiah.
0: Hmm. Do you have plans for writing more in the future?
10: I certainly do. I took a little break from writing, however, because I wrote three back-to-back. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So I took a little break for a little while, but I plan on starting another book at the end of this year. And I'm just gathering my Bible verses together and my ideas and the inspiration that comes. I'm preparing for another one that I plan to start writing at the end of the year.
0: So you're a veteran of the writing and publishing process now, Dion. What advice would you give to the new authors who are listening?
10: Well, the advice I would give them would be to write what you read because Mm -hmm. usually the types of books that you read, that's the kind of book you'll be able to write because that's what you have experience with. I would also encourage would-be authors to write the inspiration down no matter what time of the day or night it comes Mm -hmm. because if you don't write it down, you can lose it, and also to be patient with themselves. I wasn't ready to write my books until my early 40s. So be patient with yourself. Sometimes you may not be ready to write that book until you're older, depending on the type of
0: book. Well, readers everywhere I know are going to be blessed by this book. I encourage those listening right now to go and check it out. It's titled Learning from the Relationships of Jesus. It's written by Dion Laborde. It's published by Covenant Books. And you can get it everywhere, of course, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Dion, thank you again for joining me and telling me about your work. I had a nice time talking with you tonight.
10: Yes, I had a great time, too. Thank you so much, Corey. I appreciate your time.
0: There's a new children's book out in stores right now written by Alexis Hunter. It's called Allison's Adventure, and we're going to talk all about it right now. Allison is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here.
3: Oh, thank you so much.
0: It's my pleasure. What can people expect when they open up Allison's Adventure?
3: Well, honestly, it's just a cute little story about a little girl who is going on an adventure to find one of her favorite pets.
0: And what sorts of age range do you think would really be into this book?
3: It really is just a children's book. So anywhere from... Me, personally, I absolutely loved, and still do love, reading to my daughter. Even when she was just a newborn, I didn't care. I read to her anyway. (laughs) And even now, with her being almost two, she loves gibbering about whatever she sees on the pictures. And so I would say probably zero to six or seven.
0: Alexis, how were you inspired to write this book? Where did the idea for the story come from?
3: I have a public health person who comes to my house once a month, and I was kind of feeling down in the dumps with the postpartum depression. And she's like, well, what's something you've always wanted to do? Doesn't matter how big or how small, what is it? And I said, I would absolutely love to write a book. Hmm. And she says, really? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, I think you should try it. Just little tiny things, like write a sentence a day. I don't care. You just need to get out of the slumps and start writing. Hmm,
0: wonderful. Writing is, in fact, a great therapy. It has a way of letting you get your thoughts out and often just lifting your mood up. Yeah. So this is your first book. Congratulations. How long Thank of a process you. was this for you?
3: I would say the entire thing, probably about a year.
0: And after that year of the hard work that you put into it, Alexis, tell me about that moment when you finally got to hold it in your hands. It came in the mail. You got to hold this book for the first time.
3: I was absolutely beaming. I loved it so much. It was crazy to be able to physically hold it and flip through the pages. And I was even more so excited to give it to my daughter because the book was for her. I wrote it for her. (laughs) and she loves it. She loves it to pieces. We read it once a day, and it is so cool to see her like recognizing me and herself and all of our animals.
0: Alexis, what are the chances that we can find you writing more books in the future?
3: I think I'm definitely going to do so. I already have a few in progress, Wonderful. and I can't wait to get those out there as well.
0: Now that you are a published author, Alexis, what's the most rewarding aspect of that for you?
3: Being able to have my dream come to life like it was part of my bucket list. I really wanted to get that done. (laughs) And I like being able to tell people that your dreams can become a reality. Mm.
0: And I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of writing your book and publishing your book.
3: Oh, 100%.
0: You know, a lot of people listening to us right now are authors who are right in that same spot. They haven't written, they're just getting started. So, Alexis, any words of wisdom that you could throw their way?
3: Honestly, for me, that would be finding the right publishing company. Mm. Because who you work with a hundred percent will affect the outcome.
0: Something that's so important in children's books is the illustrations and the cover. Alexis, what kind of a process was that for you? Was that a Fairly smooth
3: one? Yes, 100% actually, and I really mm. appreciated it too. I wanted to do the illustrations, but with being a new mother,
0: <laughs>
3: I didn't think I could accomplish that. Mm. So getting the help was, I think, the right decision. And of course, basing all of my characters off of real life, it was really easy to just send in pictures to those illustrators. Mm.
0: And I know a lot of kids, a lot of families will really love this book. It's titled Allison's Adventure. It's written by Alexis Hunter and is published by Covenant Books. And of course, you can find it everywhere, like on Amazon and on Barnes and & Noble and iTunes, also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Alexis, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about Allison's Adventure. I had such a nice time chatting with you tonight.
3: Of well, course, thank you so much for having me.
0: Right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm sitting right next to author Stacy Price, PhD. Stacy, thanks for being here with me tonight.
5: Thanks for having me, Corey. How are you doing?
0: I am doing fantastic and I imagine you are too. You got a new book out. It's called Author Ella, a fairy tale for today. So Stacy, what's that book all about?
5: Thank you. Well, the book is about a little girl who wants to grow up to be an author,
0: hence
5: the author Ella. So she had dreams and aspirations of being a writer someday and she follows through with that and she becomes an adult and meets a prince and of course everyone thinks of the fairy tale of a prince and a girl meeting a prince charming and being taken away to a castle and having a fairy tale but in this case she has a decision to make and she really wants to follow her own dreams of having a career as a writer so the little girl decides to make a decision as an adult to follow her dreams And sometimes things don't always turn out like they plan, and sometimes you have to follow your own heart. Hmm.
0: Stacy, what types of readers were you writing this for?
5: This is about fourth to fifth grade readers. It's a little bit longer than a beginning reader book, Hmm. but at the same time, it it does have words that will be more difficult for children between kindergarten and and second grade. So it's for, you know, the fourth to, to fifth grade readers. And It's a book that I just felt was really important. I dedicated it to my three daughters about the importance of following your own dreams and not trying to please everyone else. And at the same time, being happy with who you are first. So there's a moral to the story and and things can still turn out to be a fairy tale, even though you're following your own heart. And it does have a happy ending. So basically what I try to deliver as a message is we can achieve our dreams and we should go for our dreams and do it for ourselves first and not try to be someone we're not for somebody
0: else. And Stacy, I imagine that when you were thinking about this story and coming up with a plot, that you had a little bit of your own story in there, and that's where a lot of this came from.
5: I did, and I, I think it's for it's important for young children today to understand that they need to follow their dreams regardless of what they feel is a risk, because the reward is so great to do something for yourself. And all you can do is try. So the beautiful thing about it is, and I don't want to give the end away, but the important part of the story is that you can really have it all. If you're doing something for yourself, you might just have that Prince Charming anyway, just in a different way. The concept of being taken away and and having a fairy godmother, it's A modern twist to that type of story, but it's following your own heart and your own pursuits and your own career.
2: Mm, I love it.
5: Yeah. And I really like the concept of rhyme. I think it helps young children when they're formulating words and concepts to learn to read better. I know when I was younger, I loved poetry. And as I got older, Maya Angelou and Pearl S. Buck and all the literary artists at that time, and and poetry was such a big part of my life. I really enjoyed it, and that's how I really learned to read well was through rhyme. So the book is a rhyming book for that reason. Like I said, it's a little bit longer than a traditional first reader's book, although I have written first reader books. But in this case, it's a little bit harder. But the point of it is, is that I try to have emotional constructs and just a way to basically expand that emotional intelligence Hmm. in young readers, that it's more than, you know, that, you know, life is about kindness and respect and pursuing your dreams and having those, I guess, those poetic philosophers that were such an influence to me growing up, but having that Azure learning to read that you can have some of these deep feelings and emotions as a child. And I want people to be able to be able to get the reward of reading those types of stories and feeling good about it.
0: Hmm. Stacy, if a brand new author came up to you and said, I'm going to start writing, I want to write a book, what advice would you give to them?
5: I would say go back to what they love the most, because if you're searching for something to write about, that's going to give you the stumbling block and keep you from pursuing that finished transcript. What you want to do is basically start with what you love, because if you don't, not doing it will bother you mm-hmm. so much more than yeah. trying to take the chance and the risk to do it.
0: Absolutely, great advice, Stacy. I think a lot of readers out there are going to be really into this book. I encourage everyone listening to give it a shot. It's titled "Author Ella: A Fairy Tale for Today." It's written by Stacy Price, PhD. It's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can get it anywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and iTunes, Google Play, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Stacy, thanks again for joining me and telling me all about Author Ella. I really enjoyed our time tonight.
5: Thanks, Corey.